Father, we thank you for um, this morning and the time to gather together. Thank you for the interactions you do give us um, during the week. We do pray for even um, uh, Marvin and just the ministry he has, not only um, just in the, uh, I mean, he, he has that corner, oh Lord God, and he holds up a sign and pray that that would bear some fruit. But also we thank you for his work um, in the, the senior care centers, oh Lord God, and what he does there with Tom. We thank you for that. Um, thank you for uh, Julie and just the opportunity she's had with um, well, both with Megan and with uh, uh, just a, a friend uh, in a, a recovery center there. Oh Lord God, just pray that those conversations be encouraging and bearing fruit. Lord, we do pray for opportunities to proclaim your excellencies um, and to um, to speak of knowing you um, to uh, those we interact with, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. Um, Lord, give us those opportunities, we would ask. Um, pray for this morning as we continue to consider what it means to, uh, to know you and how to know you. Uh, Lord, that you would um, bless that time, um, bless our understanding, exalt our thoughts of you, not because you uh, are small, but because you are so big, oh Lord God, and we want to see you clearly. And so we just ask for your blessing on this morning in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, okay, so we've started this series on knowing God. Um, again, um, there are still um, books, the J.I. Packer book, Knowing God. It's not that we're, we're paralleling that, but it is a good supplement to what we were talking about. So if you promise to read it, you can grab a copy, you can uh, work through it. Um, but uh, we want to continue this morning. So I kind of laid out um, broadly how we're going to work through this. So last week, we spent time just talking about that really if you wanted to describe the goal of the Christian life, it would be, and the goal of human existence, really, um, it would be knowing God. Um, John 17, 3, uh, we could take as a theme verse in a sense, and this is eternal life, is what Jesus is saying, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So that idea of knowing God uh, that's the goal of human existence, and we prove that from a number of different scriptures. And then what we talked about is, okay, but what does it mean to know God? What, are, what, are the, what sense do we make of that? And we talked about kind of four ways um, that we can talk about knowing in general. So when we use the word knowing, um, we can use it in a, in a notional sense, knowing facts, knowing data. So that's the, the notions notional sense of knowing. I can know notionally. I can know facts. We also talked about how we can know relationally, uh, and we're familiar with that. We can know a person. We can know a person intimately. Uh, the scriptures use the term that way as well. Uh, we can talk about affectional knowledge, and really that's kind of a result of no, a, a knowledge, that the knowledge of God and who he is should change our affections, should change our dispositions, um, such that, so that's affectional knowledge, such that we respond, and this is actional knowledge, knowing as a skill. We know as a skill. So notional, knowing facts, affectional, uh, knowing that changes our disposition uh, in a positive way, usually is how we're using that. And uh, relational, knowing as a person, knowing a person, uh, and then actional, knowing a skill. And what we talked about is even as you look at, say, the, the Garden of Eden, and then you look at the new heavens and the new earth, the bookends of Revelation, uh, knowing God is presented in each of those scenarios, where God is known not from a distance, but face to face. Um, and so we, we pulled together a definition of 
Uh, if knowing God is the goal of our existence, what does that mean? What do we mean by that? And this is the definition I came up with. Knowing God as God has designed us to know him means having a peaceful and intimate relationship with him. So there's our relational aspect of knowing. Through his initiative, being known by God, so God takes the initiative in knowing, in which we increasingly know more about him, there's our notional sense, such that our affections are changed by this knowledge, uh, affections, love, such that we respond to him properly, actional. So all of those senses really come together when we talk about knowing God. We need to know him in a peaceful relationship first, then we need to know more about him, um, more facts, such that we can have our emotions change, our, our affections, our dispositions, such that we can respond. And really, you could tuck affections under one or the other of those, but uh, I think all four, it's nice to kind of have out there. Okay, so that's just kind of review. What we want to talk about today is how. Uh, so we talked about the goal um, of knowing God, but how? How do we do this? How do we know God? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, any questions, comments, uh, just lingering from last week as we talked about those things? Okay, so then let's enter this question. How do we know God? So we know it's the goal. Uh, we know that's what should drive us, um, but how? Uh, and to help us structure this, you can go through those four senses, right? Uh, we can go through our definition. So the first thing in our definition is knowing God as God has designed us to know him means having a peaceful and intimate relationship with him. Um, we talked about this last week. Do ev does everyone know God? Yes, yes. You don't need to hesitate about that. Everyone knows God. How do we know that? Romans 1. Romans 1, 18 through 23, we read that. Everyone knows God in the sense of they have a relationship with God. Does everyone have a relationship with God? Yes. It's a question of, is the relationship one of enmity or one of peace? Um, one of enmity or one of peace? So how do we answer this question then? How does that movement happen? How does one move from having enmity, knowing God with enmity um, to knowing God in peace? Good, yeah, it does start with God. Um, and that's where that language, what, what was the language that scripture used last week that talks, talks to that end? He has to initiate, so we call that, he has to, yeah, he has to regenerate or he, we have to be known by God first. So go to, um, go to Galatians. We looked at this passage last week. Go to Galatians 4. Um, Galatians 4. Oops, dancing around it. And uh, someone read 4, 1 through 9.
through nine, please. Okay, so how does this passage speak of knowing God uh, or coming to know God? Yeah, being first known by God. So God takes the initiative first to know those whom he's going to what, according to this passage. What else is a passage? That's why I had us read so much. Um, What else in this process of knowing? So God knows us. How do we then come to know him? What's that process? Yeah, David. Sure. So how does that happen? So God knows us, right? He takes the initiative. So then what happens next such that we know God? Like what is this, what does Galatians even talk about? What are, what are the elements he's talking about there? He adopts us, right? How does he adopt us? ultimately. How, how, what, through what means? Through what means does he adopt us? Through his son, right? He, uh, he sends forth his son, um, his uh, only begotten son, uh, to then adopt sons, right? So the knowledge that we're talking about, the relational knowledge of knowing God, is, this, is the sort of re- relational knowledge between a son and a father that, um, that God communicates through adoption, I mean, how else? Um, how, how do we fill that out? So how does someone, God starts and initiates the process, uh, and, and um, he's doing it through his son. How do we then know? How does a person switch from enmity to peace with God? Right? Right? And then just even, and I'm, you can widen the circle here from what you know of scriptures, how do we, what's... What's, uh, so God chooses, he adopts, he, ultimately our adoption hasn't been accomplished yet. Uh, that's kind of further down the line, right? The fullness of the, the experience of that adoption, but he, uh, he adopts through his son. What is, what is the response on our part? Yeah, Genevieve. Yes. Yes. So that's the regeneration piece. Yeah, absolutely. So the regeneration piece, like, so God foreknows us. He uh, knows us first. He takes the initiative. And then in, um, um, when he chooses, he regenerates our hearts such that we see what Christ has done on the cross and through his resurrection. We repent, we have faith, and we are knowing him. So Paul talks about that. Uh, we talk, it talks about we know God in that sense, but who starts the whole process? God does. Uh, another great passage for this is Romans uh, 8. And you guys already know this one. But let's go there. Romans 8, 28 through 30. So not just Romans 8, 28, but 28 through 30. Someone go ahead and read that. So what do you see here in terms of knowledge? 
God foreknew, so that's another way of saying God, yeah, God foreknew, predestined. That word for foreknowledge is not just that God looked through down the corridors of time and saw, like, oh yeah, that person's going to believe in me, but it's, it's a very relational term, just like we've been talking about, where God foreknows you, like he sets his love upon you. You are known by God, he predestines, uh, and in that act, he predestines you, uh, and then in, uh, when he chooses, you are called, regenerated, uh, and then what? Justification happens, and then um, ultimately justification brings us to glorification, which is, the, which is the fullness of the experience of that adoption that we were even talking about um, a while ago, right? So this is how you come to know God. God knows you first, he regenerates you, he calls you, um, and you respond to the gospel. Uh, uh, irresistibly, you respond to the gospel, um, where you repent and place faith in Jesus, and through Jesus to know God. Uh, go back to Matthew eleven twenty-seven. We looked at this one last week, but just to emphasize, uh, as we're talking about how do you move from enmity um, with God to to peaceful relationship. Um, Someone read Matthew eleven twenty seven. Actually, someone read Matthew eleven twenty five uh, through thirty. Okay, what does this say about knowing God? Yeah, it's only through the Son, right? So uh, the Trinity knows itself perfectly. The Son knows the Father. The Father knows the Son. The Son knows the Spirit. The uh, Father knows the Spirit. The Spirit knows both Son and Father perfectly, right? But there's no way, unless God chooses to do so, there is no way to know um, God relationally and at peace unless he takes the initiative. No one knows the Father except the Son and to, to whomever the Son chooses to reveal him. Which leads to what? Um, for Jesus' call to people. What's his call? Come to me, right? So you want to know God, you come through me and you only come through me because that's the only way to know God in the sense of having a peaceful relationship with him. You see how this works, right? And we, we know these things, but it's just a, another way of looking at the gospel, right? Um, God knows us first such that we can know him, and only through him taking the initiative um, for us to, uh, to be known by him can we know him. Questions, comments on this idea of relational knowledge. So we're just talking about the relational aspect of knowing God right now, moving from enmity to peace. Questions. I like Paul's um, precursor to build up to to Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Point starting at twenty six. Likewise the spirit, so mm-hmm. the key to the beautiful language here is the, the theme about the spirit. Mm-hmm. Likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know 
Yeah, yeah, and that's what you will see through the scriptures is this idea of knowing. So knowing, knowing God starts with the Trinity's knowledge of itself. Um, God has perfect knowledge within himself of himself and amongst the persons. But then what he begins to do is he communicates himself to us, and that communication is Trinitarian, where the Father initiates. Uh, you know through the Son, but then even as Tony's bringing out, the Spirit is, the, uh, is involved in that process as well. Um, so the tr- whole Trinity is in, uh, involved in us coming, moving from enmity to peace uh, in that relational knowledge that we're talking about. Okay? Yes, Julie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like Romans 1, it does talk about how people know, um, yeah, so verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them. So that's notional, but uh, it goes on because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse for although they knew God. So there is some relationship that an unbeliever has with God, but it's not the one that it's designed to be. So it's, it's more like um, when you know this, that when and we talk, I think, believe we talked about this when we interpret the scriptures, scripture doesn't use a word in one way, right? So you go from one passage to another, it can use the word no in a different sense. And really, um, I've tried to give kind of a, a sense of the field Right? We could talk notions, we could talk affections, we could talk relationship, we could talk actions. Um, so you have to understand, well, in context, what is it talking about? Um, so um, all I'm trying to emphasize is that believers do, unbelievers do have a relationship with God, but the problem is it's not as it's designed to be because they reject the notions that, they sh- that should move their hearts to honor and instead they dishonor. Um, they don't know God in a saving way, absolutely not, but they know God uh, in a sense, they have a relationship with God, whether they know it, whether they acknowledge it or not. Well, and that's the thing, I, I think truly, I mean, there are a lot of non-believers that are really, they don't know that they even have a relationship with God. Well, what does is, is Romans 1 say, though? Do, do, is that, um, how do we square with that? Because we do encounter people that do seem like, well, I, um, you know, I either deny God, I don't know if he exists. What does Romans 1 say? Yeah, so there is some form, even if, like, somehow they're self-deceived, there is an active form of suppression of the truth. Because, uh, and here's where we start to transition, actually, into our other senses of knowing, right? Um, 
do they have information about God that uh, leads to their conclusion at some level or another that he exists? Yeah, where does it come from? Yeah, it comes from the creation. So God is speaking through creation in such a way that there is enough knowledge to know that, what does it say in the text? What aspects of God do they know? Yeah, uh, visible attributes, um, internal power, divine nature. So they know that there is an eternal God from creation. Creation speaks to that end. They perceive it, and yet they suppress it. So even those who, um, you know, the, the, the quippy way to say it is God doesn't believe in atheists, um, right? That, that though... Um, someone claims to not know God or to be ambivalent, agnostic, well, I don't know if God exists or not. Um, scripture says, well, no. Actually, from the creation, everyone knows enough. Not that they know every aspect about who God is, right, or are responding to him rightly because they are not, they don't, but that they, um, um, they suppress the, the truth that they do have. So they're accountable, and that's a big deal for Paul, is not all, is Everyone does have knowledge of God it, to make them accountable. Um, but what he'll go on to say is not enough to save them. Um, how does salvation happen? Only through the Son, right? No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So, no, these, these are good and big questions that you're asking, right? But it's all orbiting around this idea of different senses of knowledge. Okay, Susan and then Genevieve. Excuse. Right. Right, right, because the issue is it's, never, it's not a knowledge problem. People, it's not that people don't have enough information. Scripture says they do, and, but they're suppressing it. And what are they doing? They're dishonoring God. So that is condemnable, right? The folly that is spoken of here is condemnable folly um, uh, is the idea. But that doesn't mean that, that uh, the knowledge is enough to save you. Um, that's, that's that whole issue. So Genevieve, you had your question. Sure, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, Emily. Okay, Julie. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's it's ultimately what what go to go to Ephesians real quick because we get more insight into that. Um, Ephesians four. Uh, 417. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated in the life from the life of God because... Now why? Why are they darkened? Why are they ignorant? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Right? which connects even with that idea we talked about in the sermon last week of the idea of, um, you know, hardness of heart, um, a, a circumcision of the heart needs to happen, right? That there's enough notion, but there's no affections, right? You can know about God, but your affections can take you one of two ways. You're either going toward, uh, walking towards God in enmity, which is what Romans talks about, or elsewhere here as well, um, or... Only with regeneration can your affections be drawn to God to honor him. And only that happens through Christ, through the Son, through the gospel. Right? Um, so it's, it's that desire, that eternal desire for iniquity, for sin, that makes you dumb. To worship something else other than God, it makes you spiritually dumb. Um, and it's insensitive, unable, uh, unless uh, the Spirit comes and circumcises the foreskin of your heart. Uh, removes the hardness of heart, right? And you have to be known by God first to do that. Yeah, good. Okay, now, so we got a handle on the relational aspect of this knowledge. But uh, our definition said, knowing God as God has designed us to know him means having a peaceful and intimate relationship with him through his initiative, being known by God. So that's through the gospel, through Christ, through God's foreknowledge. But then what, okay, so that happens. By God's grace, we we. We know Christ. We are united with Christ by faith. We know God, and we have been known by God. So what now? In which we... So this relationship that we have, this relational knowledge that we have, in which we increasingly know more about Him. Notional knowledge, okay? So let's ask the same question. Now we're switching gears. So we're switching gears from relational knowledge to notional knowledge. Facts, data. Um... How do we know God and um, um, notionally? How do we know more facts about God? Yeah, Emily. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're talking about, as soon as we ask this question about how do you know notionally, have true facts 
about God, we're talking about communication, aren't we? Because the reality is that unless God communicates, we can't know God, right? Because uh, unless the Trinity decides to communicate his knowledge and himself to, his, to people, there's, there's nothing that man could do to break into God, so to speak, right? Um, if God so chooses, he is veiled in mystery and uh, does not need to communicate himself at all, right? So then the question, any answer to the question of how do we know facts about God, God has to be the one to initiate, just like in salvation, right? God has to take the initiative such that he can be known, and true facts about him can be known, okay? So let's take your question about just people generally, humanity, across the whole globe, um, how can people generally, or I should say, how do people generally know God? Okay, but then you're talking relational knowledge, okay, um, by the word, but what's that? Okay, yeah, so, but you're talking about different senses of knowing. Remember, you're talking about the relational sense of knowing, like knowing through Christ, right? And that's the goal of the gospel, but we're talking about notional knowledge of God, just general knowledge apart from, or not necessarily apart from, but just a different aspect of that knowledge of facts. How do you know true facts about God? Creation. Yes, absolutely. So creation is a form of communication by God. Because that's what Romans 1 just said, right? Is that God, through what he has created, um, communicates to everyone. And what does he communicate? Uh, Romans 1 says that he communicates some of his attributes. Here are some of his attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, right? So true knowledge of the true God um, does come through creation, um, but not, that doesn't mean that you have a, rela- a, a peaceful relationship with him. It, correct. Right. Correct. Yeah, correct. So you have some information about who God's true information, enough to condemn you um, because you're not responding to that knowledge with the right affections of, um, of honoring God, you are, uh, in fact, suppressing that truth and unrighteousness, okay? Right, right. And in God's sovereignty, right, we know that anyone whom he does, has foreknown will come to that knowledge. So it could come through someone, yeah, uh, by his grace, kind of eventually crawling their way to the gospel, right? Um, Not because of their initiative, but ultimately because of God's. But that's coming to that relational knowledge. But we want to focus on how do do we come to uh, true notions of God? One avenue is creation itself. Now, that is true for the unbeliever. If it's true for the unbeliever, is it true for the believer? Absolutely, right? God is actively always communicating through creation. Uh, So we've already talked about a key passage, Romans 1. Uh, Let's go to Psalm 19. Go to Psalm 19.
Someone read Psalm 19. Don't forget the title. That's part of scripture. Psalm 19, uh, 1 through 6. Okay, so what, uh, what's going on here? Psalm 19, 1 through 6. Yeah, general revelation, which means what? What does it say? Yeah, the heavens are, yeah, the heavens are revealing knowledge. What are they revealing? Yeah, the glory of God, right? His, uh, the weight of his being, right? His majesty. Um, so creation reveals God's majesty, it reveals his glory, right? So you can know um, from creation, what did Romans 1 say? Some of his attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature. Um, Psalm 19, 1 through 6 says that you can know some of his, his glory is being communicated. Um, even, uh, turn to, I believe it's Acts 14. Go to Acts 14. believe it's Acts 14. Bear with me a minute. Should have wrote it down ahead of time. Okay, yeah. So Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra, so it's a, a you know, pagan city, um, and they're doing, they, they heal, and everyone wants to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. You remember this story. Um, but someone pick up in Acts uh, 14, um, 15 through 17. Okay, so what does this say about knowing God through creation? Yeah, God leaves a witness. And what is he witnessing to? Yeah, his goodness. So even in accord with what Romans 1 is talking about, God reveals his goodness through things like season, regularity, seasons, um, a rains, and things like this. Right, so that um, God is manifesting, He's witnessing to Himself not only His glory, 
um, and his eternal power and divine nature, but even in this passage, his goodness. It uh, doesn't mean people respond rightly to that, but that is part of what God is revealing through creation, right? Now, let's, we're running out of time for today, so we're going to have to pick this up next week, but let's, let's just think about that aspect of knowing God. So the notional, again, we're talking on the notional level. How do we know more about God? Can we know more about God through creation? Absolutely. Um, now, what we will say is none of the things that creation reveals are like beyond what scripture would say, right? You still got to go to the scriptures to understand and be able to interpret rightly and all of that. But um, what we would say is creation is a different medium of God's communication. He's not communicating through vocal words. He's communicating through what has been created. Now, how does that for us, as we talked about the unbeliever side of it, but let's think about us who do have a peaceful relationship with God through Christ, how does that change um, our um, perspective on how or one of the ways we can know God? That knowledge that God is speaking through creation, uh, and we can even see in Scripture some of the things he is communicating, how do I, how does that help me in my pursuit of knowing God. And the pro- so the proper way then would be to look at creation and not idolize creation. That's what's going on in Romans 1. But to look at creation and what? Give honor and thanksgiving to God. In other words, our affections by creation and by what God is communicating through creation, his glory, his majesty, his goodness, should stir my affections such that I respond to God with honor and glory. Not getting trapped into worshiping the creation, but following the creation like a sunbeam back to its source, right? Um, of delighting in God. Um, yeah, Eden. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. And so even, um, this is, at least historically, has been the impetus for doing good science, right? Is God has created everything. He's created it for us to observe it, to see it, to even draw conclusions from it, um, to harvest the uh, the energies and potentialities. I mean, you even think about the commission um, to Adam and Eve in Galatians 1, to rule and to have dominion over creation. So, I think sometimes, though, as um, good Reformed Christians, we neglect that God does speak to us through creation. Um, it's not enough to, for salvation, but as believers, as those who do know God, it, um, we have um, 
we have the ability to look at and work with creation in the way God designed for it, to stir our joy. And there are things that happen uh, when you are enjoying God through creation that there's something that happens that's different in your affections than even when we read the scriptures, isn't it? Our affection should be stirred each way, don't get me wrong, but there's something different in how God's majesty is communicated and how that stirs our hearts. And sometimes it's, um, it's easy to neglect that. Since I've been thinking about this, I've just um, more been thinking about like, the, the thing, like, like sunsets or seeing the mountains or whatever, and I can respond to those and my affections are stirred in a good way such that I'm giving thanks to God, that I'm honoring God, and I'm knowing him more through that. I'm relating to him more. Uh, I'm enjoying him more and I'm responding to his glory in the right way. Uh, and so we don't want to neglect that um, as one of the key media of God's communication. Any questions on that idea, clarification? Yeah, David. Yeah. And there's, there, you also hear of people Right? I mean, this is a common excuse. Well, I, I don't come to church because I enjoy God in creation. Well, it's kind of like taking that truth and twisting it, right? Because God has also revealed himself in other ways. And one of the ways he says that you know him is through the gathering of his people and through church and through the preaching of the word and all of those things. So we don't want to carry this too far, um, but it is an aspect of how we as believers can know God and increasingly delight ourselves in him. Any other questions before we close? We'll talk more about this next week, but... Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the second half talks about we got God communicating through creation, but then God communicates through words. He communicates through words, um, especially the scriptures, right? And particularly and foundationally, in a sense. So, yeah. Good. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for you, the eternal trinity, um, communicating yourself to us. And you do that through uh, a variety of ways. You do that through creation, uh, and you do that through your word. Lord, we thank you for the clarity of the scriptures, the abundance of knowledge that it gives, and yet, Lord God, it doesn't tell us everything about you. Lord, that is what eternity is for, is knowing you more and more and more through all eternity. And that is our joy, and that is our delight, and that is what we long for. Lord, even as we have a, a picture of that, a, a taste of that this morning, just prepare our hearts, prepare the hearts of the brothers and sisters that are coming this morning. Uh, prepare us to uh, sing praises to you. Prepare us to, um, to honor you through baptism and membership, to honor you through, us, uh, through the preaching of your word, to honor you through corporate prayer. May our hearts respond to the knowledge we have of you with the right affections um, so that you... Uh, you might be glorified and we might enjoy you. Uh, we pray these things and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen.